You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. In this episode, Future Net Zero founder Suet Bose speaks with Nigel Holden, head of Co-op Power, as they discuss their bold but realistic 2050 net zero goal and why sustainability and ethics are at the core of what the co-op is doing. Nigel, really good to see you. It's been a long while. Yeah, hey, so great to see you. Thank you. Uh, just very quickly, everyone okay in your family, uh, close friends, colleagues, all, all safe? Yes, thank you. Yes, I've got everybody at uh, home, daughter back from university, lad who's delighted to have avoided his A-levels and a, an older working daughter as well. We're all, we're all good. Wife's working in the NHS, but uh, all good, thanks. So the, ener- the energy bills for the washing have gone up as well, have they? They certainly have. They certainly <laughs> have, yes. Um, let, we, we've got to talk about COVID and, and we hope at the time of this recording that we're start, starting to see hopefully the ease of lockdown and perhaps the beginning of the end. When COVID hit, um, what was the initial reaction of the business? Because obviously co-op has many parts um, and then your particular part itself, I know co-op power had an effect, but overall, how was the reaction by the whole business and, and how do you think, as an organisation, you've coped? Obviously, a community-based retailer, Sumit, you know, involved in food retail, healthcare, pharmacy business and insurance, we're, we're right at the heart of uh, this pandemic. And I have to say, it's probably shown the co-op in the absolute best light. Colleagues have responded fantastically. Uh, you know, key workers in, in shops, uh, the logistic business behind, behind the scenes uh, have responded fantastically. and. I have to say, as a co-op, it's the usual thing. It's a bit like climate change. It's made us focus our mind. And it's amazing how things that would traditionally take months have taken weeks and things that might take weeks have taken days. Uh, and really, people have cut the ch- to the chase and focused on things and responded accordingly. So I think we're doing the right thing in looking after our customers in the community, but also the fact that we're a co-op and the difference we bring to things, you know, such as school meal vouchers free for, for, for students at our co-op academies and things like that, uh, putting money into uh, Fair Share, the food bank recycler uh, just comes naturally to us and we've really cracked on with, uh, uh, with, with that as a co-op. So uh, I think it's brought the best out in us, but obviously it's been tragic times as well for other people and we're, we're, we're aware of that. And clearly some of our uh, colleagues are dealing with the very, very hardest of those situations in our funeral business. And I take my hat off to them. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is that it's, you know, you look at two things. There's been the business side of a business and there's been the people side of a business, which perhaps most organisations have taken as read, you know, how we work, where we work, working from home, logistics. And also, as you just said it, I kind of realise I'm very unimportant in the world. You realise who you really need in times like this, don't you? Absolutely. And hopefully that's one of the lessons we actually learn for all of us as a society that, um, you know, perhaps uh, some things we, for whatever reason, take as granted from a day-to-day basis, we need to perhaps uh, not do so. Perhaps we need to turn the world a little bit uh, the other way around. And also uh, some of the things that are most important to us um, and nearest to us are right beneath our feet in our hands or in our gaze. And, uh, you know, those are things that perhaps we'll appreciate a little bit more going forward, including, if I have to say, the environment around us. I suppose one of the things when we're talking about net zero, um, co-op is seen as a brand that 
over the years has always been sort of into sustainability before sustainability was even cool, was even a word. Um, was it any surprise to you that the organisation has, you know, embraced net zero in the way it has? No, not at all. I mean, as, you know, if you go back in the history of the co-op, uh, this year is 176 years. We celebrated 175 years anniversary last year from those original Rochdale pioneers uh, who were... Uh, launched uh, the co-op up there on Toad Lane. And if you go right back into the history then, when they were launching food produce to try and help communities, they only had about four products, um, butter, oatmeal, sugar being part of them. And actually, believe it or not, it's wheelbarrowed from Manchester. So you could even argue that we had carbon neutral transport back then. Um, and I don't know whether you're aware, but the, uh, the local gas company wouldn't connect them because they were seen as being Mavericks, I think I prefer to call them disruptors. We'd know them now, and uh, so they added candles to the uh, the product list. And you could even argue that therefore they were neutral to start with. If you fast forward into uh, more modern times, we're member owned. We respond to our members, and our members have been consistently concerned for uh, environment and, and nature. And, and have helped drive what we do as a, as a movement. But we've been consistently doing this for over 20 years. So we've been reporting our environmental issue, uh, emissions for that period. We've been buying green electricity for 15 years. You know, it's typical of the co-op that we just sort of quietly get on and do it because it's what our members expect and it's what we do. Uh, but not only do we buy green electricity, we actually thought, no, we want to go and actually increase the capacity of electric, green electricity and the renewables in the market. So we went out and worked in our farm business and our land and with partners. We actually went out and built four wind farms. So not only do we buy green electricity, we helped actually increase the amount of green electricity out there in the, uh, in the market as well. Uh, if I perhaps give you an illustration of the strength of it, our AGM last year, a question came from the members asking the board and executive to support a zero carbon commitment. And it was actually voted on by over 100,000 people voted for it. And actually that is a, a commitment that the board and the executive are now implementing for, as an organization. So the fact that we're a member of an organization means that we need to respond not only to our suppliers and our customers, but to our members as well. Uh, so we are actually going out and, and, and doing that. And that's, that's the form, the backbone bone of our long-term commitments. One of the things I suppose that um, has always been, you know, in the 10 years I've been in the energy industry, we used to talk trilemma. Do you remember? That seems yeah, to disappear. Yeah, yeah. But the sustainability yeah. part was something that was seen as kind of a nice to do, you know, maybe good morally, all of those things. But for many CEOs I've talked to, many businesses, after it became a set government target a business target uh for for 2050 that seems to have focused minds more do you think um that is the case you know putting aside what co-op does itself as as a, a a business you know sort of community do you think we now see this as something we have to do and in a way because it's a target businesses respond better to that I hope you're right. Uh, and uh, from the early signs that I'm seeing, I think the fact that the government has, has said this is the uh, our intent and this is the direction and, and you must 
you must uh, go on down that path. I think is leading more people to do that. Um, I can't quite believe that they won't do it anyway, but it might just help make them speed up. Um, but uh, it's, I think people need to be clear. Um, if anybody's out there saying today, oh, well, we're going to go carbon neutral or whatever else, and we're going to make this commitment, and then next year we'll have done it, then they're not really doing it. They are not really doing it. And if I could illustrate that with a, a couple of statistics, the co-op's been committed, as I said, for 15 years. We've we halved our emissions um, by 2017, uh, earlier than the 220 target. So we used to use about 1.3 million tonnes of CO2 within our own operations, and we've halved that. Our latest round of commitment, which is a science-based commitment, we're looking to halve that again by 2025. And then no doubt we'll have to halve it again. And that's just our own internal operational commitments. Climate change emissions associated with our supply chain is probably 10 times that amount. Our latest commitment of zero carbon, I think this has gone a little bit under the radar, is that we'll not only be zero carbon for our own operational emissions, is that we will be zero carbon for our whole supply chain. That is absolutely massive, absolutely massive. When do you when do you expect to do that? When, what do your target hope for that? Because that's a tremendous statement. It is, and we made that commitment. Our chief executive made that commitment um, in two stages: one through a science-based targets, which we've already got, and then to go further to zero carbon. And we made it through the UN. It's 2050, and some people would perhaps find that disappointing because you, there seems to be a lot of you know, comparing and, and, and chest bashing about this. We're going to do it in 45 or 38. So we're, we need to get past all that all that competition. This is not about competition. This is about cooperation. We need to, and we've set that target. And if we can do it earlier, then great. And we're making fantastic progress internally. But we're very cognizant about how tough that is regards our supply chain. Just to give you an illustration, the first piece of work we've done internally to just look at the first steps and commitment on supply chain through our current science-based target emissions is about 11% saving. That is still massive and some of the stuff that we are going to have to do and that working with our partners and our suppliers to do it is going to be a tough, tough challenge. And that's just 11%. We've got the other 90 to go on. We've got to do this though, Summit. We've got to, got to do this. So, you know, this is going to be a long, hard climb. We know the route we can get to the first balcony, the first set of stairs. We know we've got to do the next lot, and we'll worry about the next lot afterwards. But it's got to be a different, different approach than, than tradition. We're not going to do this on our own. And as Steve Morells, our CEO, said, we've got to do this. It's going to need the backing of politicians, which we've just talked about, and it's going to need long-term commitment, and it's going to need people to work together on it. I want to explore that in a second, but let's just take one of those points long term. You know, we've all lived in the world of CEOs, FDs, doesn't matter, working in three, five year cycles. Well, hell, politicians generally work in five year cycles. This is already a target that stretches 30 years um, and should really be an ongoing thing anyway uh, for us uh, as a planet, let alone as, as a country. Um, do you see the job of an organization like yours, the co-op, to lead? You know, that's what Future Net Zero is all about. This platform is about big businesses, big organizations leading. 
and helping, as you say, the supply chains? Because some would say you just offset, you tell your suppliers, change it. And if you don't meet that target, well, stuff you will go somewhere else. But from what I get, you, you're, not think, you're not talking in that way. You want to encourage a supply chain on this journey with you. I think we've been providing a level of leadership in this market for a long time, just very, very quietly. Um, we've been campaigning on it with, with um, a lot of the NGOs for, for a substantial period as well. Um, I mean, the fact that we um, at our AGM have motions every year asking us to come back on report on how we are doing on this and imploring us to take the next level and the stance, I think, says it all. The fact that this has consistent commitment by our group CEO and I'll give you an illustration of probably how important in a, in a second our food CEO Joe Whitfield climate change is actually built in into her overall performance package so is that taken that seriously by us as an organization now are we perfect no can we do more can we go faster yes we're working very hard on that and some of the things that we're doing there are back to some of the old simple stuff I did as much some of my basic training, which is get your governance right, get your strategy right, get your reporting right, get your resources right, etc. But we're absolutely committed to doing this in the long term. It's just a case of working through the right way of doing it in the right way. And uh, as I said a moment ago, it's not just what we do, it's also working with our suppliers and partners to do it as well. If we think about leadership, you could say you it's top down yeah you lead others follow but as we've seen with extinction rebellion uh, greta thunberg last year the general public as you say your own members do you think there'll be pressure not just on your business but businesses in general from the bottom up you know as younger people come in who are more environmentally environmentally conscious as society looks for different things we're all, we're all reacting to the pandemic now going the air is clearer why why don't we have that so do you think there'll be a bottom-up push as well? I certainly hope so. And all the indications and the research is that, that younger generations are taking this extremely serious. In fact, it's the sort of thing that is attracting uh, young talent and new blood into our organisation to work, work for us as well. We've obviously got our members, as I've talked about as well. I think there's pressure coming the other way as well. Um, things like institutional investors now, and give you an illustration one of our depots that we are looking um, to put a very large pv on the roof the the investor and the landlord and the developer are also under pressure themselves coming the other way as regards to they want to see this measure included in their development and likewise uh, as a yorkshire energy procurement specialist i'd like to make sure we get both good quality green electricity but also a decent price on the roof as well and there's a win-win there to be to be had so i think it think it's both and it has to be both and we have to keep at it um you know no doubt there was uh you know a lot of momentum building uh pre-covid with events around the world you know uh, our own internal leadership event was was led by a video with our ceo with images of australia on fire launching our new strategy uh, as a co-op and what we're going to do over the next few years there was massive momentum by uh, growing there we need to just make sure as we emerge from covid that we take the opportunity to build back better we can't go back to normal in fact i think we should be questioning what normal was if normal was what was causing 
fighters in Australia was causing growth in, in um, emissions, was potentially causing, you know, um, the growth of, 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 of pandemics and, and, and illness around the world. And that's not the, where I want to go. I don't know about you. And I think younger people will latch onto that very, very quickly uh, and will be expecting a new normal, not an old normal. And it's one of the reasons why the co-op has just signed up to uh, UN Compact announcement about to come out in the next few days to build back better with 150 global organisations around the world committing to do things differently going forward. You're clearly a man who knows a bit about money, Nigel. And this is, this is the killer one, isn't it? Which is, however much ambition we have post-COVID, we are going to be in an economic trough. I don't know how long that will last, but we, we have to be realistic about this. Do you think the temptation will be to still snatch at that fossil fuel, that cheaper, old way of doing things? The, the, the way we did post the 2007-8-9 recession. Um, or do you think, as you said, the building back better, that, that there might be something different here where we, we can for once stop thinking short term as businesses, as society, and, and actually think we may have to invest a bit more, but for the longer term? I certainly hope so. I mean, I always need to be careful. I work for the co-op. We're a different kind of organisation. Sure. And we can take a longer term view than perhaps <laughs> other organisations out there. But in the work that I've seen and the, the customers I've talked to through our co-op power business, I'm, I'm increasingly drawn to the fact that people are recognising they need to do something different. They, they might try and drive a hard bargain to make sure they get green energy at a good price, but they're committed to doing the green energy, for example. Uh, energy efficiency is the cheapest form of, of, of energy saving and cost saving out there and quite often delivers some fantastic returns, better than investment in other parts of, of the business. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Well, I'm a realist as well. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why um, we are looking to grow the co-op power business that, that I run, because there are people out there who want partners they can work with to deliver real savings, real good quality uh, energy, um, do it at a decent cost, but also the organisations they're happy to work with that they can trust. And I think that's where the co-op ticks a lot of boxes. I want to briefly touch on the co-op power side of things, but in a way, are you an example of where our new energy markets might be, this kind of decentralized energy, whether it's local generation, local energy market networks, peer-to-peer -peer trading? How do you see that developing? Because many people believe if we, get to, if we want to get to net zero, we have to fundamentally change not the way we just produce energy, but the way we, we use it and trade it as well, becoming much more fragmented from the old big power coming down the line. Here we all have it. It's fair to say, Sumit, that the current market in the UK doesn't necessarily support us doing the best things in, in, in certain occasions. Um, it was designed for a world that was a bit different than, than, than now. Uh, and it came out of, you know, sort of post-Second World War type uh, scenario in the markets. And I think there needs to be some more flexibility. And to be fair, there is work going on with the DSO type model. 
Um, it is frustratingly slow at times, but there are some trailblazers out there looking at some digital um, products and, and, and services as well. So I think we need more of that. If you take it to the wider context of the market, you know, what, what do we need to do going forward? Um, you know, the, some of the big emissions, for example, in our business are refrigerants, refrigeration. You know, we need to sort those out. Of course, energy systems and greener will keep working on that. Transportation is one is the big elephant in the elephant in the zoom, as I heard the other day, as I say. <laughs> elephant in the zoom, I like it. You know, we've got we've got twelve hundred um, uh, wagons uh, delivering as part of our distribution, you know, fleets and else, and that is going to be a big challenge for us as to regards electrification of that. And that's that's not just about systems and processes; that's about infrastructure as well. So I think there are some big challenges there going forward, yes. Digitalization, much more transparent information, sharing of information, and they also things that our, our customers are asking us in the co-op power side of things for more just for their own operations, their own business, and we're responding to that. But if you think about the, the scale of the size of the challenge going forward, it's, it's really refrigerants for us, transportation and supply chain, those are the big things. Um, but even there, il illustrations, we, on our supply chain, we've launched a Future of Foods channel where we actually share information with uh, our food supply chain, uh, actually swapping information, ex uh, exchanging experiences, uh, making information transparent as regards to volume of energy use, quality of energy use, and else. And that's done in an open and transparent way. We're not, we're not dictators. We're trying to encourage our supply chain to come with us. So there's in initiatives like that, simple things about education and, and actually, um, you know, uh, assisting suppliers on the way in partnership is, is, is also part of the mix as well. To end with, are you optimistic about the future? I mean, COP is an unusual organisation. You could almost say unique because you have that, as you said, that moralistic yeah. core to you, but also you have a food business, you have pharmacies, yeah. you have energy, you have so many different... In a way, you're quite lucky because you can all work together to create this kind of push. Whereas if you just make one thing, it's different. Um, what's your feeling about the possibility? Hopefully, we'll both be around for, 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 for net zero being achieved by 2050. I'm optimistic. I think COVID's illustrated what can be done if, if the minds are focused and people. Um, you know, really work together to deliver things. I think the reality is we have to do this. We have to do this. And with all sorts of change, there will always be people who lead first and there'll be followers and there'll be, it'll become some kind of a mass, uh, more mass traction. Uh, but we've got to do this. Um, I'm of an age where the likely impacts are probably not too great for me, but they certainly will be for my children and their children. Um, can you imagine with some of the stuff that we've seen in just the last two years, which where we're not supposed to be seeing these things yet, then they're supposed to be decades away. And that's one of the challenges that we're facing to as people that we, this, you know, um, cog cognitive dissonance, dissonance is, the, is the thing that people sort of recognize yeah. something, but they're not, not prepared to do it. We're not, going yeah, to we, we, don't want to, we don't want um, to change. Yeah, no, and that's just, and I think people, it'll start landing with people that the change has got to come from us. And it's going to be hard as we emerge from COVID and everything else, but we've got to do this. Um, and 
hopefully the co-op are there leading the way, challenging, um, working in partnership to uh, make sure we do do that. We will do. Nigel, thanks a lot for your time there. Hey, sure. Thank you very much indeed. You have been listening to a promoted podcast from Future Net Zero. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.